Hello and welcome back to Focal Point, the IMV Imaging Podcast. I'm Harriet, your host, and I'm delighted to be joined by the other members of the IMV clinical team. So, hi, Sam. Hello, everybody. And hi to Amy. How are you doing? Hi, guys. Um, as always, we're discussing a topic related to the field of diagnostic imaging. However, this month, we're lucky enough to have Adam Conn joining us, better known as the vet at the Coast 19, for all the educational and mixed vet lifestyle he shares with us on Instagram. Graduating from the University of Glasgow in 2009, Adam is a mixed practice vet specialising in dairy herd health and is a partner of Riada Veterinary Clinic in County Antrim, Northern Ireland, and an IMV imaging brand ambassador. So welcome to the podcast, Adam. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for having me. Um, So to start us off, I know I've just given a really brief overview of your career so far, but how did it all start and how did Vet on the Coast 19 come about? Oh, so, um, yep, as you said, I... Graduated from Glasgow and was lucky enough to be offered a job here in Balamoney, um, which is a beautiful part of the world. If you all follow Instagram, you'll know we live sort of right five minutes from the, the Causeway Coast. Um, mainly working with dairy cows, probably 90% of my day with dairy cows. Um, and yeah, it's as I said, I didn't really expect to be here for nearly 15, 14, 15 years. Um, but here I am. I, I, I came after after university and haven't left. So it must be a sign that I enjoy my job or something like that. So what were the alternative plans? I know we were chatting before that you were saying you weren't en- weren't planning on ending up um, back in Northern Ireland. So what was going to be the alternative? Oh, I had a lot of plans. So I, uh, I worked for a summer whenever I was at university in California. So then... I thought, yep, that's what I want to do. And I did my American boards and Navale and all that jazz and got all those exams and never used them, unfortunately. Um, and then at one stage, I thought I could definitely work with horses and um, nearly sort of, I thought about doing an internship in that for a while and then kind of realized that I don't know enough about horses. <laughs> um, and as well, I suppose I'm from a farm um, about half an hour 40 minutes from where I'm based now and that was possibly on the cards at one stage to to maybe either work closer to home or, or go back and, and and work with that um but yeah I, I got a job in Balamoney luckily in, in Riyadh Veterinary Clinic I realized that I really enjoyed working in this area I really enjoyed like we've got really nice clients forward thinking progressive clients that are good listeners I suppose that's probably what I enjoy most about working here is that the clients appreciate what you tell them and they listen to what you tell them. And by the time you go back the next time, a lot of it has been implemented, which is well, it's great whenever you're working with that. Um, and yeah, I suppose I, I actually grew up on a beef and sheep farm and potato farm being in Ireland. Um, and I never really had any interest in dairy cows or any involvement in dairy cows, but coming to Balamoney were predominantly a, da- a dairy area. Um, and I realized quickly that working with dairy cattle actually gives you a lot back because you get so much information from cows, whether it's with um, heat and health monitors or robot robotic milking systems, you get so much information that you can actually work with that. And then you get a bit of, we call it customer feedback, but it's feedback from the cow, I suppose. So yeah, there's a bit of satisfaction in that whenever you can see things getting better rather than just treat them and leave them and see what happens, you know. 
Have you got any tips? So say you had the newly graduated vets that are thinking about going into dairy practice, but also don't have, you know, a background coming from a dairy farm. What would be your biggest top tip for them to kind of gain that confidence? Um, oh, good question. So probably enjoy enjoy it to start with because yeah it's, it's a it's a lovely line of work to be in um the clients expect a lot but if you enjoy it obviously you can read up there's so many papers and obviously things like your own website the amv website is great for learning but yeah i think i just because i had an interest i enjoyed learning and then as you start to sort of learn more the clients will listen to you more if you've got facts and figures in your head now you don't need that at the start like um but if if you've got facts and figures there there's a lot more trust built up and i did um, a certificate of dairy herd health down at ucd i wouldn't say that it was sort of groundbreaking because a lot of the the research and development has been the same for the past 20 years but what it does give you is a lot more confidence um, to actually go out and measure things and quote figures and again it's all about gaining trust with the client and once you've got that trust then um, they will implement things that you will that you know obviously it's going to cost them money so whenever you start out you're scared about these clients spending money and maybe nothing happening but once you sort of start to see things um, progressing then you don't you don't mind them spending money on your um, on your say you know but yeah I, I really really enjoy working with dairy cows um which obviously i wasn't brought up with them so yeah it's the same as like people that went to to horse work there's probably not many people that went to horse work that weren't brought up using them or working with them but if you've got enough of interest in it yes makes things a lot easier it's really interesting you mentioned sort of the kind of um the sort of positive clients the reception from the clients and sort of wanting to see the data and just because we were going to talk a bit with a bit bovine ultrasound i mean how have you found sort of that with clients is it something that everybody's already been keen to use and and if they haven't sort of what do you what do you find with the sort of the kind of the, the sort of the, the data or kind of getting people to sort of take, take sort of uptake to it is that something that's easy or sort of difficult to do um so i'm lucky in that one of the partners in the practice started scanning cows about exactly probably about 30 years ago um and he got quite a few clients onto routine scanning back whenever it was a quite a new thing so a lot of my um work hasn't been having to push them into it because either they've seen the benefit or a neighbor has seen the benefit and done the talking for me um but yeah we still do get obviously new entrants into dairying and, and you have to have that discussion with them um my um approach to it is always that Obviously, it's going to cost them more money in vet bills and more money in treatments and things like that. But if I can then get more uh, more cows and calf and more, more calves in the ground to either sell or to breed with, uh, and also more milk in the tank, that the money they'll spend obviously will, will multiply. Um, and again, you have to push the fact that nothing's going to happen overnight and it takes about a year of routine scanning to, to see a big difference. But the proofs in the pudding and every time that you you sort of get people onto that weekly twice weekly or whatever the results speak for themselves you know like it really 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 makes a difference um so it's not actually hard it's just that initial conversation but 
luckily in this area, as I said, the clients are quite progressive, so it's it's an easier sell. How are you getting on with um, pushing Colourflow Doppler onto them? Because if they're progressive and they're invested in what you're doing for them, I'd imagine it was probably a pretty easy sell just to let you work away and see how you got on. Oh, yeah. they Like, whenever we got the Easy Scan goals back in 2017, I think it was, I thought that it would be great for, um, you know, students and showing the students what the embryo looks like and, and teaching-wise. But actually... Nearly everywhere I go now, I'll, I'll set it up and the clients, the farmers watch it and they just like seeing what we're doing. And to be honest, it probably provides a little bit of um, clarity that what we're doing isn't just straightforward, you know, because obviously they're all looking at it and seeing an embryo is easy, but measuring it down to the millimeter or um, looking at the ovaries or the uterus, you know, like it, it just, yeah, it adds a bit extra to your service. So then whenever color flow came along, obviously I was excited to use it and the clients were excited to see it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's an extra dimension to scanning. Um, the biggest sort of issue I have with it at the minute is getting clients to bring me out cows at the right stage for it because they're all used to bringing me them at 30 days served or 30 days calved. Obviously I'm, I'm wanting to see a lot more animals with it now. Um, but yeah, we're getting there. Like, as I say, it's it's a great tool. Like, we used to look at a 2D picture of an ovary, whereas now with the color flow, it's kind of more like a 3D. We can see what's actually happening in that ovary instead of just guessing from the look of it. So, yeah, it's interesting. It's really cool, isn't it? Yeah. It's there's it's amazing. Like, actually, I, I use it more than I thought I would for even, like, I was... You always get asked to scan someone's dog or a sheep you know while you're there just to see if what's going on so even for little bits and pieces like that to be able to put color flow onto things it's really really useful um or say you've got an embryo that you're maybe questioning just to stick the the color flow on it gives you a, a sort of a definitive answer instead of a, a a guesstimate really um but yeah it's 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 exciting i suppose that's the word and for all our listeners, they're probably thinking, what the hell are you using Colour Doppler for with uh, scanning cows? So can you just give us a bit of an idea what it's useful for, what you found it's been able to help you with so far? Uh, yeah, so basically I use the Doppler mainly for scanning um, ovaries and cows uh, and looking at the blood flow through the corpus luteum would be the main job that I use it for. So what that tells me is obviously... The, the greater the blood flow is kind of like a, a linear direct relationship with progesterone production via the corpus luteum. So the more blood flow, the more progesterone within that or being produced from that ovary. Um, so in the cow's Easter cycle, obviously the corpus luteum will form after ovulation, produce progesterone to then hopefully support a pregnancy. So come day 15, 16 of the cycle, if the uterus hasn't uh, detected a pregnancy, the corpus luteum will begin to regress. Therefore, the blood flow will swell. The blood flow regresses first, and then the, the progesterone production regresses with that. So from, let's say, day 18 onwards, if the blood flow is really, really good, we would be pretty hopeful that the cow is actually pregnant and holding that embryo, um, and vice versa. If the blood flow is poor from day sort of 17, 18 onwards, we know that most likely she's going to be coming back on heat then on day 21. Um, so 
yeah, it's a way of picking up pregnancies or non-pregnancies a lot earlier. And in the case of non-pregnancies, then we can um, either resynchronize and get them served roughly 10 days sooner than we would rather than waiting to see an embryo. Or we can, what I've used it for quite a bit is to scan, say, big batches of heifers that have been served. Um, and I'll mark the, the heifers that I'm pretty confident that aren't in calves so that he knows which ones to, to really, really keep an eye on and the day 21 to get them served again. Um, so yeah, it's just about speeding up decisions. I suppose that's the best way of putting it. No, it's really incredible how um, ultrasound technology is advancing in all species, not just, I think we're so used to it advancing in small animals and equine first, but seeing it now in um, bovine is just incredible. I know. That's that's what I was most excited about because farm vets haven't really had a, a new toy for a quite a long time. You know, obviously the scanners were probably the last big thing that we got to play with. Um, so the fact that we've now got you know, a little bit extra and yeah, it's, as I say, it's changing the mindset of the farmers to bring you out these earlier animals and, and as well as that, yes, we can, we can detect a pregnancy a bit earlier. They still need to be rechecked on day 28 because you, you know, the, the rate of loss between day 18 and day 28 can still be quite high. So they do need to be rechecked, but it's picking up these empty ones um, a lot earlier and getting them reserved again. That's where we save we save money. And everyone always talks about four or five pounds per day open. And you know, it's a hard thing to quantify because you don't really see that until you look at the herd picture over a year. But it really does make a difference those sort of extra ten days that you're getting if you're getting all your animals served ten days quicker. Um, but yeah, just having a new toys is great, and people talking about it. And you know, I've had so many messages of people on Instagram asking what it is, how it works and um, how they can get hold of it. So yeah, it's good. People are, people are enjoying it. I get the impression that you're quite sort of a data oriented um, person, more of like a scientific mind. So you're going to be looking at some data from these farms that you've started on, which you'll maybe have in about a year's time to show profitability perhaps. Yeah, hopefully like, uh, I suppose I've had it, what, two or three months now, roughly. Um, the first time I used it, I was like, great, this is going to be amazing. I put it in and I was like, wow, what am I looking at here? Because I just thought it was going to be a lot more straightforward. Like, yes, she's pregnant. No, she's not pregnant. Um, whereas that was quickly uh, changed my mind in that um, the, there, there's a few gray areas. So you're obviously much better being safe rather than, you know, resynchronizing something that you're not sure about. So it's like scanning cows it's a numbers game and now that i've been using it for a couple of months like i can be i can be pretty confident and the only way of doing that is obviously going back rescanning and seeing what your results were so um whenever i got it i was probably just past the the main stage where we were setting up a lot of heifers and synchronizing heifers and they're the best ones to practice on because obviously you've got a lot of animals at the same stage you can go back 10 days later rescan and, and check your results um so the first time i did that actually it was really really interesting to see that 100% of the animals that I scanned empty were empty and that's the big one um, because they're the ones to see you want to pick up earlier and either watch for heat and get them served or resynchronize them and, and serve them again now roughly I can't remember the exact figures but 80% of the ones that I scanned pregnant were still pregnant 
So therefore, 20% of them had lost the calf. Or what I would probably guess is that actually those 20% maybe weren't in calf and I was just being safe with those 20%, which is exactly the, where I want to be. Um, as I say, you're better being safe than sorry. Um, or they could have they could have lost them within that sort of 10-day cycle, and that's possible too. But either or, the 100% of the negative ones are the ones that we really want to be picking up. Um, yeah, that's, look... It's not huge studies yet, but I'm. I was worried that I would go to that first one and and hoping that I'd done things great and 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 get a, a different result. So yeah, no, I'm I'm very happy with how things are going. Um, the other use, which I think could be re- quite a big use for it, is in embryo transfer. And there's there's a few papers on selecting your donor cows, looking at blood flow through the corpus luteum, um, and and obviously choosing better in that. And at the minute, donor choice is based on. The look of the the corpus luteum and the feel of it, um, whereas this is obviously much more accurate. And also, you know, instead of going, yeah, it's two centimeters big and, and it feels good, you're actually quantifying a measurement of, you know, seventy five percent blood flow internally and externally, uh, and picking that way. And these embryos, a, they cost a lot of money to either buy or produce the embryos. They cost a lot of money to implant. So if we can increase small percentages there, it makes a massive difference. Um, and yeah, I think that could be a real game changer. You mentioned some some great points there about kind of kind of rechecking to sort of see how see how they sort of basically checking that what you thought you thought the situation was is the situation and 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 scanning a lot. I was just wondering for people that are maybe just starting off with kind of scanning and maybe not done a lot of it, what your kind of tips would be for 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 that kind of beyond the kind of use of color Doppler and things, just starting with scanning in general. Or what what did you find sort of worked for you when you got started? Yeah, um, as a new grad, everyone comes out thinking that scanning is um, this big thing that everyone wants to be to be doing and, and doing very well. And I think the key with, with scanning as a new grad is picking a few clients um, that are um, patient uh, so that obviously you're never going to be as fast and, and you really don't want to be to be fast at that stage because you want to be obviously looking at the whole picture and finding each embryo, and that takes a little minute to sort of get used to. You really want the probe to be an extension of your arm eventually, but that doesn't come straight away. So, you know, don't expect to be rocking up and aging things down to 28 days on, on day one. Um, whenever I started out scanning, I didn't take that time and rushed things a bit um, and soon found out that that wasn't the way to do it. I suppose... You know, aging things to a certain day, yes, it's very nice to do, but actually for, you know, the farmer obviously is wanting drying off dates and things like that. A day here or there isn't going to make a difference to him. You know, a month here or there will, yes, but a day here or there won't. So you don't have to be exact um, at the start. It's nice to get there, but that just comes with time. Um, I think the biggest thing I learned was that when scanning anything, never mind cows, ovaries, or embryos, it's all about slow, smooth movements. And as a new grad, you come out and you want to put the probe somewhere and you move it back and you don't get your bearings. Whereas if you slowly move the probe into place and move it back and try and manipulate the image um, 
as I say, that that probe then just once you've done that and, and learnt, you know, which way you move the probe to make the image go a certain way in your goggles, once you've got that, everything else is is a lot easier. Um, so yeah, I, I think w- whenever I teach sort of the new graduates in the practice, that would be the one thing I find is that they're a bit jerky to start with. Um, and once they get that slow movements, things are a lot easier, you know. Um, and the other thing is, the, the embryo is in there. So you have to have a lot of patience. If you don't find it at the start and you're looking for it for a long time, just keep at it because it is in there, you know, obviously in a pregnant how. Um, so just take your time and, and, and don't try and sort of um, be the best scanner in the world from day one, really. How long do you generally find it takes people to, to pick it up to the point where you'd be happy with them heading off on their own to do a small routine on a smaller farm? Um, everyone, I find that everyone's different. Some people just suddenly take to it. So, look, I, I wouldn't be confident that someone's um, able to make certain decisions until they've they've scanned maybe say a hundred cows. You know, it's not something that you scan a couple of cows and say, right, you know, I can go and do this on my own now. But yeah, I like to take people out for sort of five or six sessions, and obviously with the app, it's great because I can. You know, uh, I, I usually let the, the students or the, the vets, I let them watch the app for the first few sessions to see exactly what I'm doing and, and maybe measure a few embryos or look at uh, ovaries. And then the next sessions, then I will watch the app while they're in scanning. So, yeah, that's probably the best thing. You know, these scanners these days, the technology is phenomenal for teaching. Um, whereas previously with with our old uh, easy scans, it was just sort of trying put the goggles on while they were scanning and you're trying to sort of point them in the right direction. But yeah, everyone learns at a different speed, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I would say roughly 100 cows maybe, which seems a lot, but it's, yeah, it's not that many. And you were saying with technology, now I don't want to worry anybody. Um, where do you think technology is going? I remember you saying when you first tried the Doppler, you thought you'd put it in and it diagnosed a pregnancy. Um, do you think eventually we'll get to technology where the AI is good enough that um, AI is in um, not artificial insemination AI? Um, <laughs> just thought that I'd just clarify that on a on a um, farm podcast um, where we are able to pop the probe in. I suppose this is a question you should be asking us rather than me asking you, um, but where you can pop the probe in and the technology is there to pretty much diagnose uh, a pregnancy without needing us as vets to do it um yeah look it's amazing what what can be done these days so uh, <laughs> yes it's definitely a possibility um i think like everyone's um thing with scanning is that we're there to pd cows and tell the farmer how far she is in calf but actually that's the easy part of the job that really you know it's it's not where we make the clients money getting the empty cows served is where we make the money and that's probably the hard part of scanning um so whether ai can actually do that i don't know um we have obviously there's robotic milking systems now that will measure progesterone um through cow's milk and we've got a few clients that have have used it i'm sure people will probably argue with me but i find that there's too many false readings so whether that's cows that are meant to be in calf that that aren't and vice versa but to me 
still the gold standard is actually visualizing that animal um, because you know an animal that's meant to be in calf isn't actually if you feed her on for a year and suddenly realize that there's nothing in there it's actually an expensive um, thing to do so yeah i don't know I, I, as i say a lot of these clients that have tried these things have come back to us because they realize that actually having someone on the other end of the probe is probably more useful really um, and obviously looking at the ovaries and, and able to tell the client what stage of the cycle she's at and or, or if there's any treatments needed. Um, I don't know if AI will ever be able to do that as well, but maybe I'm being biased. I don't think I don't think you're being biased. I mean, I was going to say that, I mean, AI has huge potential, but like we've already touched on, there's such a wide range of information you're getting and there's so, and, and nothing's, nothing's clear cut, is it? Like there's, at the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision as to what treatment plan to instigate and sort of when to recheck and you're never going to be able to take the vet sort of out of those decisions sort of straight away. And, and there is a huge variety of information you can get from ultrasound be a long time before something can probably compound that all altogether. So there's still always going to be that skill and that decision decision making part of it as well. I think at the end of the day as well, because um, most of what you're detecting, unless you're just detecting a pregnancy, um, you're going to want to do something hormonal with, which we can prescribe and nobody else can. So there's that kind of like logical boundary there as well. Um, with regards to treatments but as you say Sam there's so many different things that you can find when scanning that um, in terms of like a machine learning scenario it would be incredibly difficult to have a machine be able to interpret everything that you'll see on a scan. Yeah no I think that's that's a really good point actually I mean talking talking about the variety of sort of things that we can um, sort of scan one of the things I was going to ask was um do you find lots of use for the ultrasound outside of the kind of the routine or, or reproduction cases is there other other things on farm you find yourself using it for um kind of occasionally or now and again I mean, we already mentioned the odd, the odd uh, cheap dog or the odd cheap or something like that. But I was just wondering what else you sort of maybe scanning. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I do use it sort of. Um, I use it quite a lot in places that you wouldn't really expect. You know, like even um, a sick cow examination. I'll sometimes stick it on to see what's going on in there. Um, I, calves with pneumonia. Obviously, that's quite a big talking point these days. I don't do a lot of you know, routine scanning of batches of calves to check for pneumonia rates or anything like that. But if I've got a calf with pneumonia, a lot of times I like to visualize it. Again, show the farmer that how much lung damage is in there and how little my little injection of antibiotics is going to fix that calf's lungs. That's quite a good way to use it sometimes. Um, I use it in, in abscesses and hematomas and things like that sometimes to see what structures are in there. Um, yeah, it's quite interesting. I watched possibly your podcast, Sam, on fractured femurs and pelvic injuries. Um, uh, yeah, that, that was uh, the a journal club that was done from a recent a recent paper. So I, I find that really interesting. Sort of, again, this sort of or, orthopedic scanning and, and the application for like a, a down cow or something like that. If you want to, you want to sort of see 
just the bone surface it can give you that information i think um it was really interesting to see that variety in these kind of places you can you can do it because i mean for, for me i remember being in practice and going to some of these down cows and sort of rocking their kind of pelvis or squeezing bits and you're kind of hearing crepitus so you think there's this that and the other but being able to get that bit more information could be really useful in some of these cases where you're thinking well how how catastrophic is this yeah, as I said, I haven't actually used it for that yet, but I've promised myself that the next one I go to, that's the first thing I'm going to do. Um... Well, the um, the Easy Scan is a decently high frequency that it will do a really good job of examining the periosteal surface. And yeah, Sam's Journal Club was wicked because it's not like we reach for ultrasound, is it? It's all kind of palpation and then how the animal's doing and feeling for crepitus. But they're just, especially when there's a fracture, everything contracts down anyway. So it's not like you can manipulate you won't be stronger than a calf's a calf's leg. So, um, yeah, the using ultrasonography to examine the periosteal surface is really, really good. And I think Sam's Sam's paper had it at a near, nearly a hundred percent sensitivity for detection. I think wasn't it, Sam? Oh, you're testing my memory now. Um, even <laughs> though I did it, um, I I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I can check and come back to you. Just um, <laughs> keep Just <bear> with. <laughs> Um, do you ever use it to look at um, eyes or anything, Adam, or mastitis or dog pregnancy scans on the farm? Oh, yeah, dogs. I used it on a sheep yesterday, as I say. Uh, dogs very regularly. Um, I haven't, I've used it once or twice for, for others, but again, I don't find it changes much clinical treat for treatment wise. So I don't tend to jump for the scanner in that case. Um, maybe if I suspect it's staph aureus and you wanted to look for, for micro abscesses or something like that, but it's not something I would jump for. Um, yeah, it's, it's amazing whenever, as I say, whenever you're sort of standing there wondering, at least with the scanner, you can, you can visualize a lot internally. Um, so yeah, it's, it's great to be able to change the frequency via, via the app or, or the buttons on it. Um, so quickly, you know, I use that quite a lot. I always keep it on very, like I'm scanning mostly embryos and ovaries quite early, so it's usually sitting at that, but it's great being able to switch to a bit deeper whenever you need it. Have you ever had a play with one of the curve probes? Yeah, once. I had it for a few weeks to try it out. Um, I didn't, again, because I'm using it for, for ovaries mostly, I found the curve probe was a little bit more hard to hold the ovary while I was scanning, just because it's a bigger probe. I also found it, um, maybe it was just me, it was actually back whenever I was just starting out scanning, so again, probably different now, but I found it a bit harder to actually take into the cow, um, and that was my only um, complaint about it. The picture was really, really nice, um, but yeah, I just found that the linear does everything that I need. And I know you've um, spoken a lot about pros of your job. Is there any particular cons of being a mixed vet? I mean, there'd be a few. No pun intended, Adam Con. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, look, night calls never get any easier. You know, as I say, I'm working over 14 years now, and whenever the phone rings at 3 a.m. for a heifer calf and half an hour's drive away, that's never easy, getting out of bed. it's it's fine. You you get more used to, obviously you get more used to doing them. At the start, it's really tough because obviously there's a lot of stress on 
you know, finding the farm in the dark, which isn't never, never easy and um, working, you're not on the phone because there's always someone on the end of the phone, but you seem a lot more alone in the middle of the night. Um, so yeah, I suppose experience helps with that, but it's not fun, is it? Um, that's that's the biggest one. If it wasn't for that, it would be it'd be great. But yeah, I, I just, I find mixed practice, I was saying this to one of, our, one of our vets this morning, actually, mixed practice is lovely because, you know, you could be scanning all morning and then come in in the afternoon and, and look at a few lovely pets um, or for some reason I get booked in all the, the random exotic animals because I owned a tortoise once um, and again I've got a little bit of an interest in it so um, I don't mind it but yeah mixed practice veterinary is great I think the key is that you get to work with a lot of different people and you know on their own farm and it's quite relaxed and you know there's a lot of cups of tea drank and breakfast had a few there early so it's it is it's a lovely way of life really being a mixed practice vet i'd say they definitely outweigh the cons sounds very idyllic you know that kind of james harriet style of mixed practice vetting that everyone i like imagines that's going to be be them i am a little bit jealous it was definitely like that like some of my best stories most of them are from my year in mixed practice in northern Ireland. it was crazy busy like and when i came back over to the mainland um people I was interviewing with were like, yeah, no, a, a year in Northern Ireland is worth like three <laughs> anywhere else in terms of the things you'll encounter. You'll, um, you'll see a, a cow and a tortoise in one night. <laughs> you just have to oh, extrapolate yeah. between the two. <laughs> no, it's, it's quite an intense, um, because it's quite a small landmass. Obviously there's a, a lot of animals squeezed into small areas. Um, and then obviously a lot of you know, in, in England, I'm sure the farmers are much more spread out, whereas ours are quite on top of each other, which creates a quite a nice little sort of friendly atmosphere and everyone knows everyone and there's always a bit of fun. So, yeah, it's, it's, it is a nice way of life. You just take the night calls out of it. I mean, there's you can't be just your carving your office. And I've, I've seen your Instagram that the views that you must get on a sunny day in Northern Ireland um, must just, I uh, just can't beat them. Yeah, it's a lovely area to work. As I say, there's nothing better than driving to the coast in the morning and, and, and driving down around that all day. Um, it's lovely. And obviously, with that, there's a lot of nice coffee shops and ice cream stops on the way, but if you get time to stop in them. Yeah, the beaches up on the Causeway Coast are stunning. Yeah, it's lovely. That's the the whole Instagram community. I, I find that it's actually um, a showcase for Northern Ireland, especially as a vet. Um, because people don't necessarily associate Northern Ireland with beautiful coastline like that. So, you know, I definitely have found that anytime we've been sort of hiring for, for vets, it's helped them know, A, what sort of work we do um, and where we live and what, what sort of practice life is like in, over here. So, yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking quite a lot recently about the social media because you do tons of it, which is so good. And um, we really enjoy the stuff that you post, especially with um, the Colourflow Doppler that you're starting to use. Um, and I noticed that uh, Craig Campbell from um, Parklands Vets does a lot too. And you guys are on each other's Instagram with a bit of banter going on. And I really, really enjoy that. And I, I think it's such a cool way for vets to be advertising themselves as actual people. I think it kind of makes um, our relationship with our clients better again because they see what we are for the humans that we are and it'll make hiring easier, as you say, because people will be able to see your sense of humour and, and just kind of feel that you're a bit more in touch with 
the community rather than being like separate and, yeah. and you know too too busy for any of that sort of thing you know so i think it's really cool people don't really understand what it is to be a vet and what you do and you know working all night and then working the next day and maybe the day after that without much of a gap um so yeah you get a lot of people sort of commenting on that um the instagram community is great because again you're you're out in the road all day on your own so it's quite a nice little community to sort of chat amongst yourselves and um like a lot of a lot of guys on there i've actually never met but i feel like i feel like i, I know them for a long time type thing you know um so what made you make the jump into the vet at the coast 19 because I, I know like my bosses um back in its practice one i don't think many of them owned a smartphone and um, let alone um have instagram but what made you think do you know what this is something i'm gonna do I don't know. I did sort of, I, I did a lot of the practice social media for a number of years, really, since I started. That was obviously the young partner's job to, to take on the social media aspect of the practice. Um, and then I probably started to push a little bit more on my own and I, I saw a little bit of um, interest in it. And once you sort of realize that people actually quite like seeing it, then it's it's an easy job. Um, yeah, my, my sense of humor is probably terrible but I quite like sort of um, <laughs> trying to make people laugh a bit and as I say showcasing this area is just it's easy yeah um, but so far as I say social media has been been great for for a practice um, you're always obviously you have to be slightly selective about, about what you post because obviously not every job that we do in veterinary is a nice job that you want to put on social media because there's a lot of Stressful times too, don't get me wrong. It's not all posting coffees and scanning cows. Um, but, you know, that side of things, I don't want people to see as much. Um, it's, it's not very often anyway. So, as I say, most of my day is cows and coasting coffee, really. I, th- I think it's good to highlight the sort of the positives. Because, I mean, I know from, from times that I'm a, it was in practice and things, it's easy to dwell on the usually quite small number of things that go wrong. You know, you have those things. It's quite easy to forget about all the things that you do that are successful and make a big difference and the, the sort of positives of these things. Because it's I think we're, we're all the kind of, everybody's that kind of person that sometimes you, you will naturally want thinking about that kind of, that case that went wrong, the kind of calving that went wrong or or, or, or the kind of the, the down cow you couldn't make, bet you couldn't save for whatever reason. Um, but like you'd forget about all these other things you, you do um, r- routinely and just all the other time that you help that are quite quickly forgotten. So it's, it's good to highlight that stuff. Yeah, it's a good way of sort of showcasing um, the type of work that we do or new products or things like that. You know, it definitely gets people talking and it's amazing. Like it does generate business too, you know, so that's obviously why, why we do it. Um, for instance, like people... People now are, are mentioning the Doppler to me and asking if you can scan from, from 20 days. And yeah, it's it's nice to have something different from your neighbor down the road, I suppose. Well, coming back on to our, our, our discussion about the ultrasound and the kind of ephemeral things, just to go back really quickly to do the sort of paper. This was a paper um, 
from the um, Journal of the American Veterinary Medicine Association that looked at it. There was only 12 cases in it. Um, so it wasn't, it's not like a huge, a huge study. But the important kind of points with it were that um, sort of none of the cases that were in it had overtly abnormal sort of limb positioning or so signs of fractures before kind of diagnostic imaging. And there's lots of reasons why you couldn't do radiography. Whereas for using ultrasound, they were able to diagnose most of the cases and localize where the fractures were is the kind of key point to it. So it was just um, it was just a good way of kind of highlighting that sort of use. So if anybody's interested, um, we'd encourage them to go and read that kind of paper from um, from um, JAVMA, which was just on the ultrasonographic diagnosis of femoral fractures in large animals. It's also an elephant in amongst the cases, just in case anybody's interested. Yeah, I was just I was just gonna say that there was an elephant, which is super relevant for um, Adam's caseload <laughs> in Northern Ireland with seeing all kinds of stuff because you are the exotics vet at Riada, yeah, yeah. you just uh, pointed out, so yeah. perfect. I've never scanned an elephant though. Yeah, you never see never. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I definitely would tackle it, I think. I think you would need a large step. <laughs> yeah, and a very strong arm. <laughs> yeah. Just um, a wee question about being a mixed vet, because mixed vets are rare nowadays, which I think is a shame because well, I was happiest, I think, doing that job. I thought that was that was really cool. Um, and it's the James Herriot dream that kind of sold me on veterinary. Um, but what transferable skills do you think that you have when you move from farm animal to horses if you see them to the small animal client what um, what helps you transfer between the two or what skills have you got in one that you can give to the other that that you would only have if you were a mixed vet rather than just if you were a farm vet who then went into smalls and vice versa so i've probably noticed this most recently um i basically i had a I can't remember what it was. It was small animal case. And I grabbed the ultrasound scanner, the small animal ultrasound scanner in the practice. And I actually realized that the transferable skills from scanning cows into scanning pets, it's crazy how much your, your scanning skills increase from, as I say, being able to manipulate your image on the screen using the probe. And my, I was like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, I could, I could visualize everything that I wanted to straight away just because I knew where to put the probe and how to move it to get a certain image or a measurement. So that's probably the, as I say, with my job, because obviously I'm scanning most days with the cows. Now I, I jump to the scanner straight away with the small animals and, and that makes, it's made a massive difference um, to my small animal work. I don't do a massive amount of it, but yeah, like that's probably... I know that's exactly what IMV want to hear too, uh, <laughs> but it's definitely, definitely helped my small animal work. Well, you are a brand ambassador. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. That's uh, really, that's really good to hear. Um, I think we would all agree with that um, in the team. Very much a transferable skill, and once you know how to move the image on the screen, um, you can you can do a lot more. But it's really good to hear that your um, rectal scanning, which is a completely different world, <laughs> transfers onto the the small animal oh, stuff yeah. massively and and even as i say changing depths and focuses and things like that like you just it just comes naturally whenever you're scanning all day um and you get as i say you you maybe could be going from a cow as you say to a horse to a, to a dog it's it's easy then to jump between them all 
I don't actually do any horses um, or I, I try not to do any horses. Um, I've actually never, ever scanned a horse, which... Me neither. Yeah. Yeah. I don't any know. part of a horse or just never reproed them? Any part of a horse. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky I, escape. Uh, yeah. I just, I, uh, there's, there's a couple of vets in the practice that are very good with horses, so I, I let them work away. Um, but yeah, it's that's probably the biggest transferable skill. I, th- I think it's a, a great point about sort of ultrasound, just having that skill and being able to apply it. And I mean, also, I think I think if, if people are using it in, in farm practice, it's good to think about it in the opposite direction as well, because there's lots of things that you can scan. I know we've been touching on them as well, but there's sort of things that people don't always think of reaching the scanner for. So there are, we've already said things about, or oh, maybe the kind of lung scanning in the calves, which is kind of uh, sort of quite well established. And we've mentioned things like the orthopedic scanning, but there's no reason why we can't scan like other things you said, the sort of abscesses, kind of muscular injuries, all these other things. So if you've got the that piece of technology kind of there, it's always worth having a think about whether you, you can use it, because there are things that you can see in, in, in things like um, mastitis cases or other changes where you can definitely put the scanner on and learn that little bit more information. But at the core of it is just having that ability to just understand the way that sort of image looks and then also having to sort of having just knowing this sort of anatomy so once you kind of know your anatomy and you know the way the ultrasound is going to appear there's so many areas that you can put a scanner on and get it get a lot of information from as well so i think sometimes with with farm with farm work a lot of people they sort of think straight towards kind of reproduction for obvious reasons but there's lots of other reasons why i think you've got that there in your car just just maybe take people taking the time to think actually could i find out a bit bit, bit more and a lot of the times with ultrasound the answer is going to be yes you're going to you're going to get that little bit more information yeah there's that thing about seeing as an ex- as an extension of either your physical examination when you're on abdomens or as an extension of your uh, stethoscope when you're scanning thoraxes yeah, and the Doppler obviously adds to to all of that as well. Um, like I've, you know, I, I, as I say, I scanned that that sheep yesterday, and I was able to just stick it on quickly to check and see if there was blood flow. It was actually, um, I'm not I'm not an expert at scanning sheep, but I got a nice view of the the lamb's kidney whenever I was scanning. And I was able to stick the blood flow on it and just double check and obviously give the owner a bit of reassurance. And yeah, it's 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 very interesting. I do find the whole sheep scanning thing quite funny because it's it's something that's just beyond like the vast majority of vets. We're like, nah, we're terrible at that. <laughs> we don't have the time to invest the time to get good at it. So it's just one of those things where you're like, nah, I, d- I don't know many vets who are really happy with sheep scanning. I think it, it's um it's a different level, isn't it, really? I suppose like you have lay people doing all the pregnancy scans in sheep that we just don't don't associate it as much as we should. But it's there, a tool that we can use. Yeah, but in much the same way as we've mentioned with with kind of cattle, I mean, it's it's there for doing for doing lung scanning and abdominal scanning, and and with the smaller patient size, you can get even more information in the same way as well. So there's 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 lots of reasons um to sort of use it in sheep sheep as well, and you'll see people doing the scanning for um OPA and things like that as M two um now. So in in much the same way, if this if the scanner's there, you can get a, a 
I've got a good bit of information in a lot of cases, and and whether that's like a sort of top and scanning testicles, or whether it's 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 a it's sort of other things, other changes in the abdomen or in the lungs, I do encourage people just to have a go with it. Because you'd be surprised a lot of the times, exactly as we've said, the transferable skills are there, and the the appearance of the lung, if you know what normal looks like, it's got it's the same, really much the same in a in a kind of in a calf or a dog or a sheep as well. So you can still get that information very quickly. Well, that's been a really interesting discussion. I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Adam for joining us and all the listeners. We'll be back next month for another episode of Focal Point. Until then, please check out our social media pages as well as the Vet on the Coast 19 Instagram for lots of great educational content. I'll let the team say goodbye themselves, but it's a goodbye from me and we'll see you next time. So, yeah, thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed that and I hope I haven't bored you all about scanning cows and the north coast but yeah please come visit it's beautiful up here oh, i love a chance to get nice and geeky <laughs> thanks everybody for listening it's been a pleasure yeah thanks everybody we'll see you later